morning I'm beginning a, a series that will last right up until, uh, until Lent, it's about four weeks. There are going to be four stories that are involved in this series. The one that we will be looking at today is the story of Nicodemus and Jesus' response to Nicodemus. We are going to, over the next three Sundays, then be looking at three other stories, important people in the Bible that encounter Jesus in the Gospel of John. And in each of those encounters, we learn something about who Jesus is. And we also learn something, I think, about ourselves that still applies to who we are and how we approach uh, God today and the difficulty, the confusion that sometimes is a part of our approach to God or God's approach to us. So there's something that uh, I'm going to challenge you to do. It is Lent, and uh, Lent is more than a 40-day weight loss plan. So for those of you who would like to increase your devotion to reading Scripture, prayer, and, uh, and uh, helping others, what I would ask you to do, and this will help you as we move through this series, uh, each of the next three Sundays, if you'll read, and you'll see this in your insert, if you'll read each of those, each of those chapters... Because each of those stories encompasses an entire chapter. And this is going to be a benefit to you in at least two ways. One, uh, this will again be uh, something, a good discipline for Lent. And the second thing is, you won't have to hear me read an entire chapter to you. So if you do that, I can have some level of confidence that when I get up to kind of teach, preach, on these stories that you'll have some idea of what the story actually is. So let me encourage you to do that. This morning, I'd invite you to, if you don't have your Bible with you, to get one of the Pew Bibles, because I'm not going to read all 21 verses from the Gospel of John upon which the story of Nicodemus is based. So it may be helpful as I'm moving along for you to make reference uh, to uh, the verse, the particular verse I'm reading, it'll be a little bit, slightly different translation. I'm reading from New Revised Standard. You're going to have the Revised Standard Bible in your hands, but that I think will will help you. Again, each of these four stories are are central to John's idea of teaching us through the gospel who Jesus is and the purpose. For, what Jesus, uh, for which Jesus came. So, this morning, the story of Nicodemus and his encounter with Jesus. It begins, uh, in the course, at the beginning, very beginning of the third chapter of John. John 3 uh, is the place where we find the most memorized Verse in the entire Bible, John 3.16. But everything that leads up to John 3.16 involves the dialogue that Jesus has with this man, Nicodemus. So, we need to be introduced to Nicodemus. We need to meet him. And that's what happens in the first two verses. 
Now there was a Pharisee, a religious leader, a person of religious authority. His name was Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night. That's no small detail. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Well, there's three important things that happen in these uh, short verses. Three important things that that Nicodemus believes he knows about Jesus. And they're not incorrect, but Nicodemus states them with a certainty that would lead us to believe that Nicodemus knew exactly who Jesus is. And so he says to Jesus, Rabbi, you're a teacher. You're one who has authority. Nicodemus acknowledges that. The second thing he says is, you come from God. And he says, we know that. Nicodemus isn't alone. We don't know how many we is. It's like uh, somebody coming to, to me or to you after a meeting. Or perhaps later, after a, uh, some discussion has taken place about a controversial issue. Or an issue on which there's disagreement. And the person comes and says, uh, instead of saying... I believe this, then oftentimes the response that that you get is a lot of people. There are a lot of people who say this. There are a lot of people who believe this. And, And the question that always comes to my mind, and sometimes I actually ask the question is, well, what does a lot mean? You know, how, how many people really is that? What, what's your definition of a lot? Nicodemus says, we know. And we can, we can assume that there are several other Pharisees that are in agreement with Nicodemus, that there's something special going on with this person, Jesus. But we don't know how many. It's also worth noting that Nicodemus comes at night, comes in the cover of darkness. Maybe doesn't want to be seen. Even though we know there may be a lot of other people who wouldn't be, you know, who would take exception to Nicodemus showing up and talking to Jesus. He comes at night. And there are conversations that all of us have that we don't want out in the light of day. Questions that we might want to ask. That we want, want that moment to be confidential. We, we want to be out there. We want to do some exploration, but we don't want it to be out there for everybody to see and for everybody to know about. 
Nicodemus comes under the cover of darkness and he starts asking questions. You know, the old adage, there are no stupid questions. And you hear that in classrooms and you hear that in forums, in different learning events, and you're reassured by whoever the teacher or leader is, it's okay, ask your questions. And I suspect that some of us, and I have this feeling from time to time myself when I hear that, you know, some of us probably are saying, well, yes, that's true, there are no stupid questions, but I'm pretty sure my question would be stupid if I asked it. Well, Nicodemus, when he comes to Jesus, goes ahead and asks, he asks questions after Jesus' response to Nicodemus, who comes thinking he knows. Jesus redirects the entire conversation. Jesus answers him. Well, very truly, it doesn't have anything to do with anything that, that Nicodemus just said. Very truly, I tell you, in verse 3, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. And Nicodemus immediately responds to this question. How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Nicodemus hears Jesus' words. Uh, his, he's, his mind moves immediately to the literal. Jesus says, be born from above. Recognize the kingdom of God. There's something different going on here. Nicodemus moves immediately to physical birth. Misses it completely. What Jesus is saying. So he asks the question. Then Jesus answers again. In the fifth verse. Very truly I tell you. No one can enter the kingdom of God. Without being born of water and of spirit. Now we stop there. And we think that's baptismal language. And it is for the church. But remember, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was Jewish. There was no baptism that he can make, draw reference from at this point. Being born again in the waters of baptism, that was not a concept that, G, that Nicodemus would have had any awareness of at all. Jesus is talking, is responding to Nicodemus concern about physical birth and he says water and spirit. You've got to be born of water and spirit. We all know when uh, when the woman's water breaks you know everybody goes into panic mode. Everybody starts running around. There's excitement. There's, there's joy. There's, but there's get to the hospital. All these things are going on at the same time. There's a Excitement about a new birth that's going to take place. There's a joy about what's about to happen. It's a physical event that evokes a lot of emotion. And Jesus uses that physical event and says water in the spirit. And we've appropriated that in the church. And we use that as baptismal language. To signify baptism as representing, as being the evidence of new birth. Jesus goes on and says, uh, 
You must be born from above. You must be born again. And unfortunately, in the church today, and really for the last number of years, that whole word, that whole language, that whole phrase, born again, that, that evokes uh, a, a particular kind of understanding of this is, how, this is how it is that you come to know the Lord, and this is how the event will take place. And this is how you'll know because these certain things will happen. And it's almost become a political slogan. It's been another way to divide the church. You're a Christian. You know, say, I'm a Christian. Yes, but are you a born-again Christian? Well, I'm a Christian. That should tell you everything you need to know. So Jesus talks about this experience of spiritual birth. But he doesn't confine that to one particular kind of understanding that it can only happen to you this way. We went around and asked everybody in the sanctuary this morning, how is it that you came to faith? How is it that you're continuing to grow in your faith? How is it that God has worked in your life? What is your story? Are you still trying to find out what your story is? I suspect that if we did that, we'd find that almost every story would be different. There wouldn't be one way, this way, that everybody would have experienced. Yet for those who have developed or are in the process of developing a faith story, a faith journey of being born anew, born from above, in each and every instance, you've embraced the idea that Christ, uh, a, a confession of faith in Christ, creates new life, a new way of looking at life, in you. So Jesus goes on when this dialogue ends, and then he gives a discourse starting in verse 11. And it's that discourse that leads us to John 3.16, where John says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now that in and of itself Uh, The words that I just said. Speak to the different, uh, you know, the different ways that we can come to understanding of the same kind of concept. The the words I just said, I memorized when I was 10 years old. The King James Version of the Bible. And I still read the King James Version of the Bible for the language, for the beauty, and for the sound of the words. But that's not the Bible that I go to to study and to learn and to reflect and do devotionals. But that experience at 10 years old of memorizing that verse, if you, if, if you say it any other way and I hear it in, from another translation of the Bible, if you say that, I'm going to say, I, it seems like I've heard that before. And where, where exactly? It sounds like John 3.16. But for me, those words, memorized when I was 10 years old, 
That's the way I know those words. That's the way I know that verse. That's the way I experienced that verse. It's still part of my experience. Just in whatever way that you may know that verse, with whatever language you use, you've experienced it. It's meant something to your life experience. God so loved that he gave his only son. Then he goes on in John 3.17 to say to us the purpose of him, of him coming. Jesus says, I did not come to condemn. I came to save the world. Didn't come to condemn. There's judgment in the Bible. There's judgment in New, the New Testament. But it's a little J. That's not the primary message that Jesus gives us and offers to us. There's accountability. But the overwhelming message that Jesus brings to us is the kingdom of God is like this. Be born from above. Experience the kingdom of God. God so loved. Love trumps everything. You don't start out uh, with a, a laundry list of, of reasons why you can't associate or why you can't love somebody else. Why you can't care. You don't like their lifestyle. You don't like the color of their skin. You don't like their socioeconomic uh, status. You don't like their ethnicity. And the list goes on and on and on. God so loved. And Jesus says to us, be born from that knowledge. You start there. You start where God started. God so loved. You start by responding. As Christ would respond. When Christ came to lepers, when Christ came to Samaritans, when Christ came to all these different people that he wasn't supposed to be associated with, Gentiles, he didn't pull out the the laundry list of, okay, well, yes, it says here, uh, you're this, therefore, sorry, I can't help you. I can't care about you. It starts with love. That's where God started. God's not asking you to do anything that God hasn't already done. God's asking you to be born again. Born with that knowledge. Born from above. Oh yeah. God so loved. Oh yeah. Jesus came into the world to save the world. Not to condemn it. Doesn't dismiss accountability. The next verses after that talk about people choosing darkness. And that's the bookend that finishes these verses this morning. Nicodemus comes in the dark. The 21st verse of the third chapter of John. But those who do what is true come to the light so that they may be clearly seen. So it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. 
You may come in darkness and you may come in confusion and you may come with questions and a whole laundry list of things and you notice that Jesus didn't condemn any of that. Jesus kept right on going, right on talking with Nicodemus. Even though Nicodemus, when the story ends, it doesn't say, the light bulb doesn't go off and Nicodemus says, oh yeah, now I understand everything. Thanks for your time. Nicodemus probably walks away with as many questions as he had, as before he had, when he started. We know Nicodemus sorted that out. Because Nicodemus is there at Jesus' death. Nicodemus kind of moved his way into the light. And that's what God asks us to do. Don't stay stuck in your confusion, in your questions. Know that you're, don't be like Nicodemus and say, I know, we know, I've got it all figured out. There's mystery. There are things you're not going to know. There's things you'll always have questions about. That's how we come to the light. You'll always have that. Don't use it as an excuse to avoid coming to the light. Because there are some things we know. And one thing that we know that we can be assured of is that God so loved. That's where God started. God so loved that he gave his only begotten son. So that whosoever believeth would have eternal life. Would come into the light. Would move into the light. At verse 21, uh, bookends the story. A Nicodemus who comes in darkness and a challenge to move, for all of us, to move. However slowly, with however many questions, to move into God's light. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for stories of people like Nicodemus. Lord, they remind us in many ways of the same story or a similar story we could tell about ourselves. Questions. Thinking we know more than we know. Confusion. God, you're patient. You so love us that you call us into the light through Jesus Christ, through his life through sacrifice, through the power of your Holy Spirit. God, we thank you for that. Lord, we ask that we might continue to walk, that we might continue to step into that light, and Lord, even indeed move into it, perhaps for the first time. These things we pray in Christ's name. Amen.